Welcome to the Lock In Podcast. This is episode 36. And it's been a year, more or less, since uh, pandemic restrictions were first introduced in Ireland. Starting with the schools closing for two weeks. In fact, they didn't return until September. And then they were gone again at Christmas. They're now in the middle of a phased reopening. In the meantime, we've seen 5K limits, county bounds limits, new variants, vaccines, remote working, click and collect, virtual events, a in online business and the choking of the hospitality, tourism and events and arts sectors as well. Who knew a year ago what we were in for? Who knows what's ahead? When Leo announced additional stay-at-home measures in late March, some people on social media said, let's not call it a lockdown, let's call it a lock-in. It sounds like much more fun. Let's play a little game of pretend. Uh, So that gave us the idea for this show. We went off, uh, of course, at Black Knight and we registered the domain, thelockin.ie, and... uh, But it wasn't the first pandemic podcast. There were others out before us, including uh, the pandemic podcast launched by our guest on today's show. Let's say hi to Emmett Ryan. Emmett, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be on with you, Con. It's nice. It's nice to be on this side of the uh, of the of the conversation for once as well. I got to say, mm. you do podcasts, of course, as well for work and in your private uh, life as well. You're um, technology editor at the Sunday Business Post. Is that correct? We don't use Sunday anymore, Con, because we, we, we're just business posts because we have news every day of the week. That's right. I know it well. Uh, so fantastic. And a print edition, of course, once a week. Uh, but like exactly, say, yeah. Very good. Uh, and there's Connected Magazine and various other things like that. I'm going to ask you about your work uh, in a moment. But first of all, tell me about that uh, that podcast. And I see looking at you just now, Emmett, that wasn't your only uh, pandemic project. Uh, that's some uh, impressive, impressive uh, facial growth there. <laughs> In terms yeah, of yeah. the beard. It's mixed reactions to it. Like, so it was literally the day the then Taoiseach Leo Varadkar sent us home. It just had happened I shaved that morning. I typically, normal times, be in every two or three days guy shaving, like, you know. And uh, so I was thinking, ah, well, I happened to have shaved today. And, you know, it's kind of funny to see how much, how crazy I can get a beard growing during this. And the original plan was, you know, I was think I was thinking there'd be a year before we were back to true normal. Obviously, it's been more than that now. But I thought there, you know, that after about four or five months, we'd be doing something that was not fully locked in, not, not working from home. So that was my thinking. I was like, I'll do it for that long. And then, you know, go from there. But I've sort of reached a point now where when I get vaccinated fully, I haven't been vaccinated at all yet, obviously, uh, you know, because I'm still far too young. And thankfully, I don't have any underlying conditions. But um, <clears throat> aside from the yeah, bit as refills I've had this week, that's more because of the way I eat when I'm producing the magazine, to be honest. Uh, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't get me up the, up the list. But, yeah, so I was thinking, right, I'll do it once I'm fully vaccinated. I'll get rid of it. And the idea is sometime that week, because I want to make sure it's out of nowhere for my work Zoom. Uh, so that, like, you know, if it's the, you know, I don't want them thinking Emmett's vaccinated now. He's, he's going to go and appear fully clean shaven. It'll be the week I get vaccinated, I will get rid of all of it. Okay, very good. You're going to spring it on people. Um, it's funny, the games we play, the the things we'll say, uh, you know, we're locked down, nobody knows how long it's going to last for. Um, it's caused re- real difficulty and hardship for a lot of people in, in, in business and in, in, in private oh, yeah. and personal life as well. Uh, and for many of us, then, it's, it's a question of, I suppose, trying to make the best of it, trying to keep ourselves 
distracted. You and I are both lucky to be able to, to work remotely, uh, Emmett. Uh, but again, it still doesn't mean that everything is hunky-dory and all of that. Uh, you, you Tell me about the beer podcast. What did you call it? And I was very, I must say, I said, now there's a man with a, a real commitment uh, to, to, to media and to beer. Well, yeah, so it was Drinking Irish. It was a YouTube uh, idea. And again, this is planning with we'll be doing it at this level, as in the level we're still at now, for a reasonably limited amount of time. Like, you know, because we were all young and innocent then, Con. And uh, so, uh, you know, I figured, right, I'll do a different Irish beer a night. Because I was thinking, well, you know, I, I've, I've covered beer as part of my job, even though my main beat is technology. I've always covered beer a bit. And so it's like, I know a lot of these Irish breweries are going to be really feeling it tough. And a lot of people are going to be drinking more at home now for obvious reasons. And I was thinking, well, like if I can just do my bit to try and introduce more people to Irish beers. So it was a different Irish beer every night was the idea. And yeah, it was a bit of crack, you know, and it was finding all the breweries because of course, one of the things, and I know you know this from your day job, like, you know, Black Knight, the classic problem is that not everybody was selling online, even through a distributor, like never mind their own outlet. So it was finding Irish breweries who were online and then, you know, finding the ones who were a bit late to the party, but then got online so you could find them as well or who were available in some way through because naturally I'm lucky where I live. I'm in Rathmine, so I'm near some extraordinarily good off licenses. Even during the 2K limit, what was within my range was phenomenal. So I had great, great access in terms of direct personal access to trying different Irish beers. And, uh, but like, you know, and that's a pure accident of where I live. Like I happen to be in one of the best parts of the country for, you know, varied off licenses, if you know what I mean. And so that, that really helped in the early days, but obviously it was like, you know, the likes of Craft Central, there was a few others, you know, uh, who obviously Beer Cloud in the Midlands got up and running as well uh, and different groups who were selling. But like you even see it today, there, there are some regions where it's just a non-entity almost. Like, so getting hold of Northern beers, like, for, you know, for, from the six counties, it's really tough. And I've talked to a, a buddy of mine who's a journalist up there, John Mulgrew, who has an extraordinary similar amount of interest. Like he's a business journalist who's covered a lot of tech and who's mad into his beer and also covering the beer side of it. And like I said to him, John, you need to get all these bloody Northern breweries online. Like he lives in Belfast. He's like, you know, living there most of his life, if not all of it. And it's like, oh, listen, don't get me started. Like, you know, because, you know, I could get like, you know, Seamus, okay, who's down in Carlo with y'all, how hard his beers. His was an obvious, obvious a doddle to get because it's in both the shops and online. But you know, lots of regional ones, which people wouldn't necessarily think that's easy to get. You had Art Keen in Waterford, which is a food store. Like, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the, the Fallon Burn of the Southeast is how I best describe it. But their selection of regional craft beers is phenomenal. Uh, and, you know, so I'd never heard of them before. Randomly, my outgoing flatmate, because he's moved out, but I'm still filling it in, he is from Waterford City. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's a great, great spot. Like, because he just saw me ordering from Art Keen. I was like, oh, yeah, I know them really well, because he'd know it from living there, like, as a younger guy. And so it was kind of cool to be introduced to all these new outlets. But, yeah, I just wanted to have a bit of fun. And just because, you know, I, I, I enjoy drinking beer doesn't mean I'm good at anything else. So famously... I couldn't pour a beer from a can to save my life, you know. So you have these enormous heads. And the thing is, I'm doing it in one take because I, it was, you know, for for many reasons. But the big reason was time because even though we're working from home and we don't have our commutes, I still feel the time pressure. And I also think, well, the drinking of the beer was the easiest part because, you know, the actual video recording because I just press record, I'd pour the beer out, I'd have a bit of crack, talk for like five to ten minutes, and uh, that'd be, you know, the show. And... But then there's, you know, the producing it, like, you know, editing, even like, you know, and I kept it as simple and basic as I could. But even with that, so much time goes into that. Like, you know, you know that because you're producing a, you know, a podcast with video. And so, you know, and the amount of time doing one of those each night, you know, I did get a new respect for people who are full time vloggers. I will say that, like, because 
how the, you know so especially the gaming ones to be honest because even more than the person person the the personal lifestyle ones the gaming ones the sheer amount of content they produce and the speed of turnaround they've got to go through in order to make sure that they're hitting their market because a lot of people are doing stuff that's related to that day it's phenomenal like whereas with me it was a case of ah oh, yeah and it was something to do during lockdown and i was lucky because i already had a good setup in my room because i was looking to do more basketball videos oddly for basketball stuff i was into but that would have been a far more occasional thing and we're talking this before we knew what COVID 19 was so i'd set up a decent home office already long before we knew what the pandemic was going to be so i was very lucky in that respect but yeah it was just a bit of crack and you know i had my variety of baseball caps back when my hair was short enough to fit them because now it's i couldn't fit one on my head and uh, yeah it was it was good crack and just really enjoyed it. And it was a great yeah. way to like, you know, get to talk to people about beer. Yeah. And you were saying to me earlier, you did a hundred episodes, uh, Emmett, um, which of course doesn't come close, I'd imagine, to exhausting uh, the variety and choice of uh, of Irish craft beer. Um, do you think you might uh, renew it or return to it at some point? I'd like to return to it, yeah. Like I, I had like a month off after the hundredth episode and did yeah. one. And I wanted to go weekly or bi-weekly then. But like a lot of people, it's the exhaustion. Like you know, for me, I was looking at it a case of the bit of whimsy because, you know, when we're in some pretty dark times and all the other cliches we can mm. use, it's very important to have stuff that's just light in the truest sense of light relief. Like that's got nothing to do with the chaos around us. Mm. And by the way, if you actually look at like history of warfare in in Europe, there's an awful lot of focus on that where like they made sure that there, there was true distraction. So you could turn your brain off for a few minutes from the horrors around you. It, this is obviously nowhere near that level of horror, but it's the same basic yeah. principle. It's in interesting, of- Emmett, the first thing you said to me when we started this call, I said, how are you? And you said, bored and busy. And that that yeah. is is what so many people I think no, don't maybe not quite so succinctly put it into words, but it it is a, an extraordinary kind of a, a sensation, isn't it? Uh, in some ways, oh, is, we have yeah. more time on our hands. Uh, in some ways, we're 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 starved for distraction, and in so many other ways, we're exhausted. Yeah, well, like you know, because I, I I obviously have to acknowledge I'm lucky. I've had my job the whole way throughout as a business post, and I've got to cover some amazing stuff. But that doesn't mean I'm not bored. It doesn't mean I'm not exhausted from being so busy. And even when I've had time off, when I, and I've had genuine time off, because normally when I have time off, like during real times, I'll use it to end up going on some mad busman's holiday where I'll still be kind of working. So I've been having legitimate time off during this. And I'm sure this goes the same for pretty much anyone checking this show out. I'm wrecked. I mean, there's no other word for it. I'm absolutely wrecked. And, you know, I'm like most people I know are most of the time pretty wrecked. Like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, and it's like I suppose some people have, have had a different variety to it as those who've had kids during lockdown, as in new kids. I know obviously parents of kids who were already around before the lockdown have their own stresses and have a lot of sympathy for them. Uh, and I genuinely can't empathize because I just don't understand it. But like, you know, it's like for them, it's sort of, you know, it's been that monotony. They've had the same basic challenge with their kids throughout the whole of lockdown. At least somebody with, you know, a newborn during lockdown, while it's a huge, huge challenge. The one bit of envy is it's a change in what the challenge is. You know, it's like it's something different. It might be horrifically hard working. It might be exhausting, but it's different, Con. And that is that's the one thing we've not really been able to get much of throughout all this is a different thing we have to deal with. It's funny, though. I, and I actually, as you mentioned it, I recall when my own were, were babies, uh, Emmett, and uh, 
it has actually some common elements in common with lockdown and that as well, in the sense that you don't know what day it is, you don't know what time it is, uh, and it's basically more of the same uh, for at least the first four to six or eight weeks or whatever when you're getting used to being in that that new kind of a situation. Uh, technology and business, obviously, uh, Emmett, are, are what your your stock and trade are and, and what you what you work at, uh, and you you edit the technology pages in the Connected magazine for the Business Post. Uh, but you're also a huge sports fan and. And uh, it's it's always easy to get you to talk about that, uh, especially basketball. What's your what's your take on on uh, I suppose how we have seen uh, lockdown affect uh, elite sports? We've seen the NBA go into a, a bubble. Uh, I think wasn't that last year or what's yeah, happening? Yeah. What's going on there at the moment? Fill me in. So, so yeah, so obviously in Ireland the league's basically shut down because yeah. there was no safe way to do because it it's an amateur league. Like most yes. teams would have one yeah. or two professionals, which out of a panel of like you know. 12 to 15 players that means most of your team like 90 percent, are amateur like you know and obviously asking them to observe is very very different and even then a lot of those professionals would have had jobs which involve as inside jobs you know in schools so that involves a lot of mixing with people as well so even with them it would have been asking too much at a, the lighter larger level like you look at it in europe and the nba i gotta say and i'm saying this to a sports journalist you know dara crowher the other day is that the more i care about a sport the harder it is to watch during lockdown and uh, it's because of how much I'm used to the crowd. So, like, you know, it's like, it's like I found sort of, you know, sports I'd hardly have hardly have watched. Like, I wouldn't be a huge golf fan. Like, you know, all these sports I don't think I have anything against, but I wouldn't have been, like, that pushed about golf. Football, unless it was UCD football, I'd watch it, but it was very much background noise for me, you know? And, like, they've been very easy to watch. Like, uh, But, like, even, like, sort of, say, the darts at Christmas, I couldn't really watch that this year because that entire thing, I'm not a massive darts fan, but that's so built around the crowd that when you remove that, and even with the fake crowd noise and all that, and I, I'm totally 50-50 on whether it's a good thing or not, it just isn't the same. And like, you know, I noticed even from going to like Irish League games in basketball, where you mightn't have huge crowds at some games, any crowd of any kind is so much more than zero and, you know, or, or fake noise. And that's the thing you just can't, uh, you know, replicate. And I even uh, watching games in Europe, which I'd cover a lot because that naturally is better for me time zone wise. I wish I could, I wish I could stay up for the NBA con, but not, not the way I sleep these days. And, uh, but like even watching the NBA though, when the games are on at regular times, like there's a classic one, Martin Luther King day. It's a, it's a, it's a holiday in early January in America, say mid January. So there's loads of games on at European time on a weekday. So it's basically my, you know, Christmas of basketball almost didn't watch it at all this year because it was just too hard for me mentally to be able to check in when there wasn't that little hum the natural hum as opposed to the you know fake crowd noise hum so yeah it's been weird watching it to be honest uh you know i i've, I've written a little bit about it but it's been very hard i noticed the less i care about the sport the more easy it is for me to engage with it during lockdown like well that said now I'm a huge boxing fan i've had no problem watching boxing but i think that's because it's so tight that the crowd, while being part of it, isn't as big a part as with other sports. Like so, that's been, I suppose, you know, the exception of the sports I care about, where it's been easy to watch. Like rugby, I found at times brutally hard to watch, to be honest, because the fake crowd noise is hilariously inept, you know. And it's like, and that's not rugby's fault. There aren't any good rugby computer games, so they've got nothing to base it off. And so, you know, and it's and it's just without the crowd, it, you you feel it. You you just do, and you know, it's. I know it sounds very odd, but like to, to me, it's like I always appreciated a hot crowd. Like I was always when I went to an arena, if I was writing a long piece, I would be describing how the crowd were part of the story, and uh, you know, even if there was nonsense parts to it, like you know, but like that—that that to me was it's part of the experience. 
And you really, really miss it. Like, you know, and I know it sounds weird. Obviously, people miss going to games. I do myself personally. But I kind of, even watching games on TV, I really miss the crowd as part of the narrative, if that makes sense. It does. It's starting, Emmett, to feel a little bit like, uh, in a way, I know people said it at the start, uh, we're not going back to the old normal. There's going to be a new normal. Uh, some things are going to change permanently. Now, initially, I was skeptical skeptical about that. But it's a year. It's been a year. And I already feel different uh, about how, how we approach things and what we hope to go back to. It's great going out for a walk, meeting neighbours, um, staying in touch with people. Um, you start to, to see what's really important, I think, in life as well. How do you see this playing out, Emmett, uh, from from your perspective as, I suppose, as a journalist and as, a, as an individual as well? Um, what kind of normal do you think we're going to go back to? What What is going to change uh, permanently, maybe? Or what do you think, what do you think will be the lasting impacts of this? I think there'll be an, if, if you're a company competing for any level of talent in any sector, if you're not offering a three and two of some kind where, th- you know, one of the, one of those is, the, is like remote and the other is in the office, you're going to be in trouble. Like, you know, fully remote is also an option, but I think for a lot of people and even just talking to my friends and even myself to some degree, uh, and I always hated my commute to my office. I love the actual office itself, but just from where I live to where Business Post Towers are, as I like to call them, it's just not an easy commute, like, because Dublin transport isn't designed to go east-west. It's like only north-south. So to go north and then south is how I describe my route into work. So it makes no sense. And uh, so, but, but like, yeah, I think, you know, all those employers are going to have to be offering some form of hybrid. But the big thing I've been trying to get across people throughout this con and you know this because you've been a remote worker as long as i've known you is this is not true remote work uh, this is like you know you're stuck in the one place it's just a different place like for me remote because i was very lucky in the way i worked now it was brutal on my body but cumulatively i'd be on the road for about two and a half three months of the year every year and like that would mostly be in two three days lodges all over the place and uh, you know it's not ideal, uh, but like, you know, it worked. And it, but it also meant I got used to being able to work from all sorts of environments, be that, a, you know, an airport, be that on a bus, be that whatever. I knew I was always very comfortable. But if I was meeting somebody in city centre from Dublin, I'm coming out from our business post, which happens to be near Vincent's Hospital, bizarrely. Uh, so when Leo was telling us all to go home, we definitely said, oh, yeah, there's no problem there. We're beside the hospital. Because like, you know, all our thoughts was, that's a hospital. That's scary. We're running. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was no, no one was trying to make a case in our place. There was, there was universal, you know, consensus uh, on this, that look, going home was a very smart idea, was, was wholly agreed. Uh, you know, and you'll really get consensus in the news, and I can tell you that. Uh, but there wasn't, there was no, there was no doubt of it there. But, uh, so, but yeah, it's like, for me, if I was going, I might go into the office in the morning, uh, but if I'm got a meeting with somebody at say two thirty in town, I'm not going to like wait till the last possible moment to go into them. I'm going to go and well, I can go into town. I can park in a Starbucks near them, and uh, this isn't advertising for Starbucks. I always think of Starbucks is where I work. Independent coffee shops is where I socialize. Uh, you know, I, I have always split them off mentally, and you know, I can still be working. You know, and then I can always walk up to them rather than the commute being at the last possible second. And you know, I can then go on to something else, and that would be very common. So, say it was a Thursday, it'd be a classic one where my deadline might be eleven a.m. or one in the in the uh, one p.m. depending on the way the day is going. 
Uh, so get the stuff in for then. I might have a meeting. I, I might know I've got news talk for a pre-recording of Splunk, their uh, Irish language show, or anything for Jess Kelly's Tag Talk or whatever. That could be any, any time from 4.30 to 6.30, depending on when they want to start. Like, you know, it wouldn't be the whole w- window, but it could start at any time from 4.30 to 6.30. And I would know this in advance several weeks, quite often, like, you know. And so I'd go, well, what else can I fit in that's in a location between work and news talk? Because, you know, it makes sense for me to be able to do something useful in that period that isn't just building everything around the commute, like make the commute work for my job. And I think that's what true remote is. It's genuine flexibility in where you do your work. And uh, that's what I'm hoping we see a lot more of when we come back. Like obviously for people with families, it's like, you know, it's a huge thing. Like I have a couple of friends who have done a genuine, like three days in Dublin, two days back home since they had their first kid and back home for them is in Kerry. And, you know, they're both, they're both in different companies, but like they've both made it work. And, you know, because they want their kids to grow up, you know, where they're from, which is great. And they've gotten around a third now. And uh, like their employers in both cases, one was a small company, one was a very large company. I'm deliberately not naming because I don't want to give away who my friends are, uh, you know. But like in both cases, the large employer and the small employer were both very understanding because they realized having them as a happy worker uh, well, you know, more important and also, frankly, you know, the existential part of that person just may not work for me if they can't be back home. And, you know, so it's like, it's it's one of those things where it's an easy win and like i wrote about like sort of the remote stuff many so many, i've written about it sorry so many times during this i said like about a year ago like i think it was just about a week before it was a sunday before leo sent us all home i said here's the only question you gotta ask yourself if you're a boss you know if you're in any level of management do you trust your people because if you don't trust your people you know to be doing their job and you're not looking at them your problems are way way deeper then you know then just like you know whether the person's able to sit at their desk or not if you can't trust them to do their job you know knowing that they have a buy-in knowing that they have responsibility and frankly they just don't want to be seen as a bum uh, you know which is a key thing uh you know that's huge like because i've always like you know said end product is so much more important than where you're sitting and I've always had that attitude. Now it's like, you know, unfortunately I've had that attitude like for a long time and I'm, I'm known as being not the most, uh, well, I'm diplomatic, but, uh, you know, I don't hide my views either. So I am known as diplomatic, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I will say something stupid, which that gets me in trouble. Uh, you know, so, but and now the, the business process is always understood because you knew the nature of my desk required flexibility. But I've had other roles in the past where definitely it was a case of, you don't need to see me. You just need to see the work. And um, that definitely got into, got into a bit more aggro, you know? So it's like, it makes life interesting, Con. I, you got to keep life interesting. You know, I'm, I, this, is my, this is the last uh, podcast I'm doing before I'm 40. So I'm trying to make sure I enter the true bastion of middle age in style. Oh, you're, you're, you're due to turn 40. Is that right? Yeah, on ah. the 2nd of April. So uh, I'm assuming we're coming out before that. Like, you know, so this would be one of my last great uh, blasts from my late 30s. Fantastic. Well, it's a privilege to be associated with that, Emmett. And thank you for uh, thank you for granting us that honour. Uh, one <laughs> one final thing I must ask you. Uh, you did 100 podcasts of Drinking Irish or 100 videos of Drinking Irish. Um, did you pick a winner? No, and that's not just because I'm nice. Mm. I, 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 but it's the same approach I take with the, I have the 30 to 30 we do every year in Connected for 30 young people in Irish tech. Uh, my approach is it's like sort of like comparing apples with apple. Uh, you know, in that, like, I think direct comparison, even when it's two beers, because there's so many styles of beers, and so, but also like I've you know uh, L- Leslie, who's a wine journalist, whose name escapes me now, which is annoying me. But uh, everybody, everybody knows me if they, they look up Leslie Wine and Food on the on the Twitter. Uh, like 
he's a great way of saying about his what's the best wine is and that's the wine you like and that's my attitude towards beer like so i always try and like you know because i don't particularly like saisons which is style of beer but that's mainly because i have a sensitive nostrils as in the sinuses and so it tends, tends to flare them up you know but like you know that's just me so you know but like i will still judge a saison based on what a saison drinker likes uh, so that's what I'll try and do. Like, you know, and I, like, you know, my favorite types, like, it varies. Like, so sometimes a year I want a, an ale that's got a little bit of grapefruit in the, in the finish. Sometimes I just want a really straight up regular a- ale. Other times I want something that's very stout style, like, you know, and like, it, it, it depends on the mood I'm in. And I think if, you know, you tr- you know, you can judge a beer on its own merits, but comparing them to each other is a different story, I think, to be honest. So like whenever I'm doing the 30 to 30 and, and connected, I'm putting that person in on their merits, not how they compare to somebody else, if that makes sense. Because I'm trying to show a variety because your classic one is someone in a social enterprise versus someone who's, you know, running a company that's worth a few million. There are two totally different things they're going for. Neither should be considered greater than the other based purely on some concocted metric that doesn't really account for anything. I'm kind of going, is this person worth following? Is this person worth following? Well, yes, so they both get in. And like the only metric that really matters is are they under 30 on the day the edition comes out? Uh, we actually take that part very seriously, by the way, because when I was starting it, I said, I've seen so many of these X under X lists where I know someone and know they were already over the age when it came out. So I will literally, if someone's 29 the year of it, I will actually check what their birth date is with them, which uh, can be offensive to some people. But it's like, I got to make sure that they don't turn 30 until the day after it comes out. Because my rule is on the day it comes out, you must not be over 30. And uh, yeah, you know, it works out pretty well. Very good. Very good. Well, um, and I take the point about the beer, so Emmett, uh, as well. What I will do is I'll ask you afterwards to recommend something uh, for me. I'm not a connoisseur by any measure, uh, but I do appreciate the advice of other people. I, uh, I always say people do try and try local stuff, not just because they're supporting yeah. local, but just to see what lads in their area are doing. Like, because uh, yeah. there are breweries in Clare. The name is escaping me right now, which is terrible. Uh, you know, it's uh, I'm really, really sorry because I have actually reviewed a Clare beer on the series, which is why I'm annoyed with this. But like, Treaty in Limerick are great and they're worth doing. I know they're next door. I know the Limerick hair rivalry is a thing, but I've always known it as one of the friendlier rivalries in, in sports, like in Ireland. Like, you know, that well, obviously, when they're against each other, you know, they're a bit of aggro, but they'll generally not have any, any real, uh, you know, hatred for each other if they're not playing each other. So, uh, like, you know, yeah, so like what we're seeing, and Limerick as well was one of the slower starting markets in terms of coming up with craft beers amongst larger parts of Ireland. Obviously, given where Black Knight's based, I can't but say uh, O'Hara's, but like, seriously, like what Seamus has done for, you know, introducing people to, you know, the ideas of like locally produced beer in Ireland is extraordinary. Uh, my running thing I always love pointing out about Seamus is Seamus was his second employee because he was still full time uh, in his uh, civil service job. Uh, well, government state job, I don't know if the civil service is such, while his wife was staff in, in uh, O'Hara's. So technically, uh, you know, the founder of O'Hara's is the second employee of O'Hara's. So, but like, you know, but yeah, no, you know, it's like you should definitely try it with Harris. But like, there's so many good ones. You got like guys like White Hagat and Sligo who have all sorts of crazy flavors. Eight degrees in in uh, Cork who are doing all kinds of sort of cool beers. There's such a brilliant variety of brewers out there. Like my favorite beer is one called Vietnam by Trouble Brewing, which prior to the lockdown was only available in like four pubs in Dublin and like literally nowhere else. Uh, and they've canned it because obviously they have you know did an exclusive deal with this with with this group of pubs and. Thankfully, one of those pubs was like, you know, a 15 minute walk from my house. But, um, you know, it's like, you know, that's a great one worth trying as well. And like Trouble's a great story because they're, you know, like a many of the, a lot of the Irish brewers, I know have gone off and just put on a bit of a tangent here, but so many of the brewers grew out of the recession that we all recall from, you know, about 15, well, 12, 13 years ago. 
and basically a lot of them, you know, people who would, like were working in tech or other sectors, lost their jobs and had an interest in beer or had a passion for beer and decided to give it a go. And Trouble is a great one. Like, you know, a couple of the lads were on like back to work schemes and started this up while they were doing it. And, you know, it worked out for them great. And like, you know, they've been running a brewery for like, you know, 10 years now. It's phenomenal, like, to see sort of some of these stories. Like Metal Man in Waterford, uh, Grania and Tim, they, they predate the recession, but they're both ex-techies as well. Uh, you know, there's so many people, if you look in, in Irish beer, who have tech backgrounds, it's ludicrous. Uh, we've gone off on more than one tangent, I think, uh, Emmett. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Tangent. I know, I know. It's like... <laughs> No, uh, excellent. Uh, thanks thanks so much for coming on the show with us uh, today, Emmett. And uh, uh, we look forward to, I suppose, getting back to some kind of normal at some point in the future. Uh, thanks again. Thanks very much for having me, Con. And like, let's try and have some fun along the way, folks. Yeah, why not? Absolutely. That's uh, Emmett uh, Ryan. He's a technology editor at the Business Post and uh, our guest on the Lock In podcast today. Just as I said, trying to make the most of things. The lockin.ie, we've talked to journalists, we've talked to brewers indeed as well. We've talked to artists, we've talked uh, to writers, uh, we've talked to musicians and uh, educators, teachers and that as well. Uh, if you know somebody that uh, could be or should be on the show, get in touch with us, leave a comment at uh, the lockin.ie or you can e- email me, con, C-O-N-N, at blacknight.com. I will see you next time. Good day, 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 good day,